This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, everybody? It's Richie. We're back. Post America podcast. And uh, today we're going to do another regional scene series focusing on the 90s. And we're going to go out west for this one. We got a special guest, uh, Chris Powerhouse. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Richie? Good to good to catch up with you here, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff going on. You're just on the road. And we talked a little bit about doing this. And we're going to uh, we're going to get into to the details uh, I've been doing this for a little while. People like it, especially, you know, people, people always school me at the end. So, so be as thorough as you could. Cause they'll be like, why did this guy didn't mention this? Why this guy didn't mention that? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. people like all of a sudden they're chiming in like that. But, uh, before we even get to that w- with your band powerhouse, you got a new release coming out. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, most people probably understand now that we were on quite a hiatus. We were, we were, we were, uh, off the radar for probably 17 years, man. Like, you yeah, know, long, time, long time. So, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, you know, when a bunch of members left the band, mm. um, you know, I had turned to Ernie who had started the band and said, Hey, do you ever leave this band? That's it. I'm not doing this without you. Like, I just don't do it without you. And that was after Eddie had left. Eddie was one of the last, you know, he had to, he was becoming responsible. He was getting his job and he was, you know, getting married and, you know, he had plans and he wanted to have kids. And so he's like, yo, I got, you know, he, he felt he needed to be very grown up and of course respect, like, you know, that's, yeah. that's what he needed to do at the time. But at that point it really became me and Ernie as the last guy standing in the band. And I looked at him, I said, Hey dude, you know, if you, you, if you leave this band, that's it. Like, I don't do it without you. Mm. And then he got sick and he died. And at that point, I just, I couldn't do it. Like, you know, for a lot of reasons, it was out of respect to him. It was out of the fact that like, I couldn't see myself standing next to somebody else on stage, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, who, who would take his, he was a big, he was a big uh, um, personality, man. He was like a really big personality in the band. And, and so for the longest time, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And, and uh, I, I finally started to recognize like, Hey, you know, at this point now, um, I'm kind of doing him a disservice because I'm not keeping his name out there. And I started to come to terms with the fact that I, we, we needed to keep going, uh, more so, uh, to keep his memory out there. You know, I, I don't want people to forget about him because he really, uh, you know, you talking to, you mentioned, you know, talk about some characters and things like that. Ernie, Ernie truly was a character. Like he was, I've never met anyone like him. Uh, they truly broke the mold after he was born because uh, he's like one of the wildest motherfuckers I ever knew in my life, man. Wow. And, and, and uh, he was a huge personality. he like demanded your friendship. If you didn't show up for certain things, he wanted to fight you. Like, well, but it was all out of love. Like, you know, it was like he would get pissed if I didn't show up for his birthday parties and he'd like threaten to shoot me because I didn't show up for his birthday party. Oh because, man. But it was because he was hurt because I didn't show up for his birthday. You know, it was like she like where he literally called me up, wake, you know, like wake me up in the middle of the night screaming at me because I wasn't there, you know. But it was more so because he really wanted me to be there, you know. Um, 
maybe not the best communicator when it came to what he really meant, but, but nonetheless, he was a wild guy. Anyway, a lot of people loved him. Anyone that knew him has like some kind of crazy memory or story about him. Uh, and so I just, we needed to keep this thing going and to get to the point we realized that we needed to start going again, uh, Eddie and I, and we found a local drummer at the time. We said, Hey, you know, let's start playing some music. And the single that we have out right now, uh, just dropped last Friday. Uh, it's called it's been a minute. It's the first one we wrote. Uh, we wrote that, but we did crazy thing, COVID and all this shit. We started playing that song, uh, in January of 2019. Oh shit. Okay. It's just coming out now. So I mean, I've been kind of like beating my head against the wall with all this stuff. But um, that's almost kind of like an apology, almost like, you know, that's me taking ownership in the fact that we were gone for so long. And uh, and it it's it's it, it kind of explains what we're doing now. And, and and nonetheless, we have these all these new songs, you know, uh, the drummer that got started with us, um, uh, he couldn't continue on. So we ended up we actually got Walter. Uh, you know, from, you know, DRI and Mabble. Oh, yeah. Great. Zero Walter Ryan. So Walter's playing drums with us again. And and he's a beast and he's killing it. And we got a great unit. We got Casey that played with Dole from Casuals. He played with Look Back and Laugh. He played with the Cro-Mags. He's, you know, his his resume is amazing as well. Yeah, he's that, good. Wow. That's a good lineup so far, man. The guy that. um it feels familiar with him on stage. Like I can, I can sit there and say, you know, I feel like Ernie would respect him because most dudes, if he were looking down on us from, you know, above and, and, and watching us playing, it was some little punk. He would be pissed. Like he'd be like, yo, fuck this guy. You're going to let uh, this guy uh, on stage and take my place. Like, I know that's how he would have been. So I really knew that Ernie would have respected Casey. And for that, it feels right. And there's a familiarity. There's things that Casey does that remind me of Ernie. Where I'm like, okay, this is—he's the right guy. He's absolutely the right guy. So beautiful, beautiful. Um, so we got this awesome thing right now. And the new record, you know, the people that have heard it, you know, we've gotten really good feedback so far. And uh, you know, we're just excited, and we're we're going to keep doing our thing. You know, it's still very much powerhouse. You know, it's—I I feel like it's relevant. I feel like it's you know current, but I also feel like it's very much what we are even after you know the the long break that we had so it's called renegades it's a six song release and uh the, the first song's out we got another one dropping uh the 20 we got another single dropping the 22nd of this month that's a, that's that's another that's a barn burner too it's a good one man so and it's uh it's available on vinyl it is yes yeah. so okay. yeah so, I, thought, I saw those ads i got excited that's cool yeah so what we're doing is um we we linked up with pitchfork and that's uh, you know Warren, yeah. Warren Lee, my brother Warren Lee. I love that dude. I've known him forever, and I was excited because I got to you know do something with him. And so that's been his label, but that's also my boy Ricky, who lives out here in the Bay. He's um, he works for Pirates Press, but he also does pitchfork with um, with Warren. So that that's kind of advantageous for us too. So we do have the ability to get you know records made and stuff. And and so yeah, this one it's a it's a thousand. Thousand records, red, oxblood red, um, looks pretty sick. You know, um, everything about it all seemed to kind of fall together. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited for people to hear it, man, because a bunch of these songs have been playing for years now. That's great. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw the ads. I got, I got pumped up. I saw it's coming out in vinyl. Very cool. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, I want to point out to people, you did a, you did an interview with This Is Hardcore podcast a few months back. And, uh, 
for people that want to know really like good like it, it was really entertaining man your whole story everything coming from the east coast out to the west coast and uh he laid it out good on joe's uh podcast so if anybody wants to wants to delve into that a little more definitely check that episode out and uh that's why i thought of you today for this one talking about the 90s because powerhouse was a powerhouse for that area in the in the uh you know in that time and i always felt like the 90s never got the the, the glow they deserved and uh kind of pushed under the rug everybody wants to know about the 80s you know of course you know we got to hear about black flag every two minutes minor threat every two minutes you know and then they breeze over the nineties. Like it doesn't mean anything, but it's very, it's a very influential time. As you can see by the successful bands of today, because they sound like nineties bands. They don't sound like you know, youth of today. You know what I mean? They sound like bands from the nineties. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I guess you would, you know, credit Mabel for a lot of that, you know, totally. totally they, they were the band that brought that, you know, Matt Henderson helped to really Matt, Maddie and Hoyer just, I mean, they developed a sound that like, so many bands now try to, um, I wouldn't yeah. duplicate, but they definitely are influenced majorly by, by what Mabel was doing, you know, shit almost 30 years ago now, you know, Completely. And we were fortunate enough to play the first shows they did in California. That's how we ended up becoming as, uh, you know, as close as, as we are with them was because, uh, you know, we just, it, it kind of clicked. It was the weirdest thing because, uh, you know, uh, powerhouse and Mabel sound nothing alike, but like personality wise, uh, it all just made sense. It was almost mm. like we knew each other forever, like when they came out here. So, well, um, when did you first first go out there? So uh, I moved out. I moved to California. I moved to LA. I, li- mm. I moved to LA in '91. Okay. And uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of reasons why I had to get out of the East Coast. And if you listen to Joe's podcast, that definitely um, dives into a lot of that. But I, I got out here in '91, LA. And uh, there wasn't a lot going on in L.A. And uh, I wasn't really feeling it. it was definitely culture shock for me coming from, you know, growing up right outside of New York City to that. Yeah. What part of you from Jersey originally, right? I'm from Jersey. Yeah, I'm from Jersey. I was born in Montclair. Wow. I lived all around Essex County. I lived I lived right down the street from the, the pipeline for a long time. Like I lived I lived in Belleville. I was uh, I was literally, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a five minute ride. I, I could walk there. I could walk to the to the pipeline from where I lived. That was a shady um, spot. Yeah, that was you. Know, I caught I caught a guy trying to steal my car at one point out in front of that spot. Like it was oh, just like hell a yeah. night. And that was before I had moved to. That was in probably that was in ninety. I, I before I had moved to uh, L.A. You know, uh, Emilio used to have. I was I was dating this girl, and she. Uh, I don't know. She like you know like ministry was really big at that point. Yeah, just one like, fix. Well, that well, no, this was even this was like on the mind is a terrible thing to taste. But oh, these yeah. liars shit was like huge. Like so, I you love know, that song. <laughs> Yeah, it's dope, right? That was a great record. But anyways, you know, it's, I, I, I don't know. I I had an old beater as a scraper, and the guy couldn't get the stereo out of the car. And uh, and and so he he started trying to start the cars. It was a 70 uh, Pontiac Le Mans, and he was trying to start the car. And I saw him. I went running down the street, and I I, I started hitting the window, you know, and, uh, and the guy kind of looked at me, and he was kind of shocked, and he jumped out the uh, the passenger side, and I got in the car, and I – I'm like looking inside and whatever. And so I, I, I locked the door real quick. Cause I'm trying to feel, I'm trying to get my senses like what the fuck. And then what I didn't know is that the guy had already, he, you know, he punched out the, the door lock on the side. So now he's putting his finger in to open the door again. He's going to, now he's trying to come back in the car while I'm in oh, there. Oh shit! And as he's doing that, his boy pulls up on a 10 speed on, on the driver's side. 
And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And I, the, he had a screwdriver on the seat and, uh, and I saw and I grabbed it. And as he opened the door, I, I kind of lunged at him with the screwdriver and he jumped back. And right as I was doing that, like this little, it was like a Suzuki samurai comes flying down the street. And it's like, I don't know, it was like, it was going on two wheels, like, like, you know, like some Starsky and Hutch shit, like flying down Broadway, like spinning out, doing all this crazy shit. It was like some detectives and shit. And these guys took off and, uh, and whatever. And I was like, you know, I was there with my car at that point, and, you know, thank God I didn't get it. Cause I didn't feel like getting stranded. Cause at that point I wasn't living down the street anymore. He said, I lived in this house on Greylock Parkway, man. And this house, if you weren't paying attention and you were in the hallway on the second floor and you opened the door at the end of the hallway and weren't looking what you're doing, you could fall out the second oh floor the, into the parking lot. There was just, there was ah. a door and nothing. And it just fell into the parking lot. Yo, what and hospital were you born in? I was born in Montclair community. Oh, okay. All right. I, Cause I, I'm from out there too. I was born in Clara mass. Yeah, Claremont. My cousin works at Claremont now. Wow, that's crazy. She's a nurse over there. Yeah, but yeah, no. Um, uh, Montclair community doesn't exist anymore. It's not no? there. Anymore. Okay. Nah, okay. Nah, so, but I was it, I was in Newark yesterday. You remember a place called Belmont Tavern? Belmont Tavern on, on Bluefield yeah. Avenue. Look for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. It's yep. been there since 1967. I went out. I was there yesterday eating. It's like the old. You walk in there. It's like. Yep. It's like, you know, Goodfellas kind of place. It's yeah, little, yeah, there's still a lot of that. Change, it didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. Calandra's Bakery, you remember that place or yeah, no? Calandra's, yep, sure. I would go to Calandra's uh, all the time at Christmas time. But I, 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 I got gluten problems now, so I can't fuck with anything they got there anymore. But I used to go there all the time. Yeah, get, on my, get my pignoli cookies, man. I love my oh, pignoli cookies. Oh, so, so good. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize you were from that area until uh, Joe's uh, thing. Then I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 anyway, you know, um, uh, pipeline, whatever, all that. But I ended up in LA, and mm-hmm. and then from there, I had uh, some friends that that when they moved to California before I did, they came to to, to the Bay Area. They came to San Francisco, and so uh, me and the girl that I was moved to Cal to, to LA with was just kind of like you know we we thought we were going separate ways and. She's like, I'm going back home. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to SF because, you know, I, I knew some people up here. And, and she's like, wait, I want to go there, too. And we both ended up coming up here and we stayed together a couple more years. But um, uh, through that circle, that's how I ended up meeting like Ernie and Eddie and stuff, because uh, the, the guy uh, that I knew up here was from Jersey. He played in a hardcore band called Suburban Chaos. And there's another band called Out of Control that he had played with. And there's a whole bunch of bands like Jersey, like North Jersey bands that all kind of like you know, they kind of layered each other, like, so out of control and suburban chaos shared members and there's a band called secret denial. And their, their drummer played with those bands. And the, that's the, that's real close to Oakland, right? Yeah. Right across the bridge. It's like, it's like, it's like, I've it's only like been out there once. Right. So I, I remember a little. So basically oh, yeah, you, were out here, you went to Gilman street, right? You're right. I, 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 you were at, uh, you, you guys played in Berkeley, I think. Right. Yeah, we did. Definitely. I remember playing Berkeley. I remember playing a place in, around LA called the glass house, maybe. Yep. Glass house. That was out like, um, was that San, Riverside, San Bernardino? One of those. Something like that. Like I, yeah. I was there once we did that run with, uh, with blood for blood, but when they had a yeah. uh, building from biohazard on vocals. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was Lionheart as well on that bill. I think, uh, it's a good bill. so we did a West coast thing. And then, then when yeah, that was right. over, we went down into Mexico, but yep. it was dope. But, um, all right, so I'm good. That's why I said I got to go to because because who do I know out California? It's limited, you know what I mean, especially right. that area. So I yep. said I got to go to my man Chris Powerhouse. He's gonna be the he's gonna be the on air expert for this. Well, I'm gonna do the best I can, bro. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna do the best you can. I know that, but 
we're going to go over stuff as best as you can. And, and, and to start it off, what would you say that region is? It's Oakland, it's San Francisco, any other oh, yeah. like notable so towns or cities? About, you right. Yeah, so you talk about the Bay Area. So when you're talking about the Bay Area, you're talking about San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Oakland. You're talking about Berkeley. You're talking about um, San Jose, okay. which is actually uh, it's a hot spot right now. you got Tsunami, Gulch, Drain. Like, you know, the, the, wow. Santa Cruz. That's so, yeah, that's that's all yeah. from here, man. Like, you know, Santa Cruz uh, is not too far. It's it's kind of the bay, but kind of not. It's it's kind of over the mountains and out at the ocean. But it's still, you know, it's only an hour for me. It's kind of the area. So like the Bay Area covers, a, you know, and then Sacramento is only, you know, it's 100 miles. It's not super far. It's like an hour mm-hmm. and a half without traffic. And and so there was a lot going on there, too. But like when you start talking about like the local scene, you're talking about SF, Oakland, Berkeley, San Jose. And that's all right here. That's all around the Bay Area. And and again, there's, you know, some right now, Scal is 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 local. Tsunami, Gulch, Train. All, all great um, bands. Very yeah, yeah, bad. They're all killing you right now. Um, You know, there's a band called These Streets and Forced to Suffer. And there's a whole lot of there's all these different bands. They all got members kind of, you know. Yeah, I know these streets. We uh, did some with them on Fast Break. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, another band called Urban Sprawl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's some really there's some really good bands out here right now. But that's that's the Bay, man. Like the Bay covers a lot of stuff. But like when we started, there was really not much going on. And, and we personally, so we're 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 an Oakland band. Ernie was very Oakland proud. Eddie, you know, they they both grew up in Oakland. Um, and uh, they, they were very open, proud, and mm-hmm. particularly Ernie. Ernie, Ernie wanted to claim Oakland all day, every day, wherever he was. And and so, um, when we first started out, um, you know, Gilman, you know, nine two four Gilman. A lot of people are familiar with nine two four Gilman. That's been a pretty, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very well known place. It's kind of like uh, has a reputation like a CV's on the West Coast. It's you know, it's like a co op. It's it's you know, it's run by you know, um, volunteers and stuff. And, uh, but it, 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 it goes through these cycles where you have people that are, are, you know, it, it can get extremely PC. It can get, you know, to the point where it can start to conflict in ways with the, the, the business model as well. When you're trying to be a venue and booking shows and doing that kind of stuff, it can, it can become problematic when you have, you know, an ideology conflicting with a business model. Like, so, but, but nonetheless, at the time that we were first really starting to do things, um, Berkeley, uh, uh, the the um, Gilman was like really, really PC, really PC, and and they weren't necessarily big fans of us. And there were a lot of bands that played there that considered themselves EBHC, East Bay Hardcore, and that that was like you know Screw Thirty Two and and um, AFI at the time were considering this. And there's a few other bands, you know, but those are probably the most notable. Um, and a lot of and, and it wasn't them per se, but there was you know just a scene that didn't really uh, Ernie uh, Ernie liked to you know. Ernie, <laughs> how do I put this? Ernie was Ernie enjoyed picking out people. You know, mm-hmm. he got, he enjoyed like you know uh, he was a bully. He was a good natured bully. Like he wasn't just mean, but he liked to like fuck with people just because it was in his mind it was funny. Yeah, and we would laugh. We would absolutely laugh because it was hilarious. I mean, some of the shit that would come out of his mouth, you know, was like, oh, I can't believe you just said that kind of shit. <laughs> but you know. Ernie was also a guy that like, you know, if he said some shit and he was meaning it as a joke and the other person didn't take it so well, he was more than happy to, you know, let you out. And, and so people were kind of scared of him and he was a, he was a person that people didn't, you know, want to fuck with in a lot of ways. And for that, 
you know, that venue didn't really want to fuck with us in a lot of ways. And so I was like, okay, cool. You guys, East, East Bay hardcore. Well, guess what? We're, we're Oakland. We're Oakland brand hardcore. Oh, that's, okay. where the, that's where the OBHC came from because we weren't welcome. They didn't want us there and they made it very clear and we weren't allowed to play there. We'd been banned from their venue and stuff. And so there were a lot of other places. We got to play at a place called the Berkeley square for uh, quite, quite a while. That place, um, it's like a 400 cap room, but like, we're talking like 93, 94, and then going into 95. So, you know, come Does 95. Does still exist or no? No, it's fucking, it was such a dope place too. It's mm. it's a photon shop now of all things, which is just the most disappointing <laughs> anticlimactic thing. A what shop? A futon shop. Like, you know, futon. Like the things you lay on? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. That's crazy. Well, you need a yeah. shop for that. How yeah. many different ones you got? There's like one, I thought. Well, right. But you know what it is, is that they, so, they, you know, it's close to UC Berkeley. Students buy that shit. So like, they, oh, gotcha, they, gotcha. so that's why they got a spot to sell. Yeah, but then, yeah. nonetheless, that place was dope. Mayor come through there. Crown of Thorns come through there. Earth Crisis come through there. Uh, like Beowulf and uh, Sick of It All. And I mean, you name it, Biohazard, Sheer Terror, Obituary. Like everybody came through that spot. Like it was killing me. Like in the early, that was the place. And, you know, okay, cool. Gilman could go do this thing and we didn't give a fuck. You know, yeah. we had this spot. And it was wild. And you could just, you could get crazy. Business come through there. Like everybody came through there. Now, you know? were you seeing like a division? Like some people would only go to the Gilman and other people would only go to the other spot. Was it, was it like that or not really? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there was more of the fact that we just weren't, you know, we, we could go to a show at Gilman. They just weren't interested in booking our band for a long yeah. time. And, and so was um, that like, you mentioned sometimes they go through phases of being ultra like uh PC or whatever. Was that one of those phases back then? Yeah, absolutely. That was absolutely one of those phases, you know, and it always kind of just depends on who are the people that are working there and volunteering because, you know, there's a meeting like every Saturday and they have these votes and, you know, topics come up and everyone decides what they want to do about it. And, you know, there's, there's, um, there's some pretty idealistic people that work there. And so, you know, they, they have their saying, cool, that's, that's how their system works. But like, you know, nonetheless, at some point or another, people decided that they wanted us to see us play at Gilman. And so people, other people started showing up at their meetings and they started like pushing an agenda and voting f for us to be there. And eventually they allowed us to come back and we had dope shows there. I mean, we played, we played with H2O there, but I mean, there's like 7,800 kids in that spot when we played with H2O. Wow. You know, it was out of control, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, to the point where there was like three rows of people sitting on the stage, like you could barely move on the stage because the entire room was jam packed full to the point where people had to start sitting on the stage while you're playing. And uh, yeah, it, it was wild. And that, that happened twice in Gilman with H2O. And that was, that was like 95, 96 when they were still on the first record. And for, for the, just ca uh, California in general, the hardcore scene in California, that's a, that's a standout club. Yeah, well, it is, it definitely is. You know, but the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, early on, you know, again, when we start going back to the early nineties, um, there wasn't really hardcore, man. Like, you know, so there had been a band in the eighties uh, called unit pride. That was uh, Eric Ozine. He had a band called unit pride. And they were definitely more like a youth crew style band. And, you know, they, they, they did their thing like late eighties. And that also would be like um, a guy, uh, a good friend of mine named Joey Vela. Uh, he had a band called breakaway. He done another band called rabid Lassie. He's probably the most OG hardcore kid out here. Like he's been at this for like, I don't know, 37 years or some shit, you know, and still comes to shows, rolls out to everything, pays for every show, happily brings his son with him now he's an ill skater he's a dope artist his band is releasing um some some stuff he has his his 
most recent band was called Second Coming. They're actually putting some stuff out on a vinyl. We played a lot of shows with them back in the day. Um, but um, those were the guys that, you know, that, that had some hardcore stuff going on in the 80s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. But then that all went away. So at the time when we started coming up, you know, and then the, there was one other one called uh, Attitude Adjustment. And and uh, Attitude Adjustment was kind of along those hard, the, the hardcore lines. It's still a little different. It was, it was almost like a thrashier kind of punk kind of thing, you know, but, you know, they, they were probably the closest thing to what we would consider like as East Coasters, like what a traditional hardcore band would be. They, they're probably the closest to that, you know. Got you, got you. So, um, and but all that stuff, you know, came and went in the 80s, you know, uh, and, and then so as we started doing our band, we didn't know of anybody. So we were playing like with metal. We were playing with like Machine Head. Machine Head was dope. Like like um, Rob Flynn looked out for us a lot. We played a bunch of shows with Machine Head. We played with this band called Skin Lab. We played, but we were playing metal shows because there was nothing else to really play. We ended up playing with like face to face because there was nothing, there was no hardcore shows. And then next thing you know, all of a sudden, Eric Ozin starts another band called Redemption 87. And he already had good relationships with Gilman because of Unit Pride and just being involved and kind of understanding how the scene worked you know ernie and eddie could give a fuck how the scene worked if there was going to be beer there that's that was enough they they were happy <laughs> like hey cool they're going to drink we're going to play some songs though no, they, they were that was more than enough but they, but eric was truly he he knew about um working within the scene you know the diplomacy ambassadorship that came with all of that and and he actually helped to kind of like um build some bridges and stuff and, uh, you know, but, but early on there, it was just us. We were really on an Island. We felt like we were the only, the only band. Uh, so early on, like what was influencing you guys? What like, was as it? Far, I mean, as far as it, the sound, as far as like a sound, you know? So the, the band, so, you know, Ernie, Ernie and Eddie, I mean, they were still very much like West coast guys. So if you were to ask them what they liked, they liked, you know, they liked poison idea and they liked RKL and they liked, they liked a lot of the stuff that came from the West coast, mm-hmm. but then they also did like, sick of it all and they liked you know sheer terror and they liked you know they did and that's kind of where we got this this kind of you know this the mesh of the two where you know there's you know the earlier stuff definitely had a lot more it's we still play fast hardcore that's just what we do but yeah um the really early stuff had a lot more punk to it still too and that was a lot with with ernie you know ernie ernie just kind of you know that's just how he wrote you know and uh but that was also his influences you know and and so um you know, but it made sense, you know, being out here when I got here, punk rain, punk ruled supreme. Like, you know, the West Coast was clearly a, a punk rock coast and the, the East Coast was clearly a hard uh, coast, you know, and, and, and they were very different at the time. And then slowly but surely, hardcore started to kind of make a, you know, kind of plant a flag out here, which is for me was exciting to watch because, you know, it, there just wasn't anything here for the longest time. And, you know, as, as, as I said, we started to meet Eric Ozine and Joey Vela, and then we met Mikey Hood and, you know, all of that. And a lot of that all came around the time that, you know, Mayabal came out here. And so like, you know, 94 going into 95 is when things really started to become something, you know, but, but prior to that, man, it was just like, we we're playing like these weird ass like you know crust punk houses up in like north oakland and shit or in the hood and you know so, and, do you think when like when madball was first st- starting to come out there that gave like uh, a bit of identity like a separation like did you guys kind of uh, well i think you know so i guess just kind of as as trends kind of be become things and not that Mayable is a trend by any means, but like, you know, if you look at, at the next generation of kids and what they were more influenced by, 
it makes sense to me that Mab will become the band that seems to carry a flag in a way, you know, where people are just like, holy yeah. shit, this is the next sickest thing. And this is kind of like, this is the, this is the next step in my musical career. Like this is, this is kind of where I go from, you know, like for me, I started with like Black Sabbath and ACDC and worked my way up to like, you know, Metallica and Slayer and all that. And then it's Chromags and blah, 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 blah. You know, and it, it yeah. rolls that way. And for them, it became like, you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, what, whatever was Slayer and Sepultura and Pantera into like Madball, blah, 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 as they find their way into hardcore, you know. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it, you know, you just never know what it is. But yeah, Madball seemed to be, be, be a lightning rod in ways because they came out and it's almost like, you know, the, 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 the seal was, was broken. And then the, 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 you know, the floodgates just start to open, you know, and it's just like, you know, cause then all of a sudden a crown of thorns is that, and, and this is the thing, like we rolled to every show. We hung out, Ernie being the guy that he was, wanted everybody to come back to his place after. So like, it was just a known thing that like, if you're going to come through and you're going to be in Oakland uh, or the Bay Area period where you're going to end up at Ernie's house. You're going to party all night. You're going to drink. We're going to barbecue till three or four in the morning. You're going to hang out. Maybe someone gets knocked out. Maybe someone doesn't. Everybody got, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. It's going to be guns getting shot off in the, you know, in the hood, whatever. It's going to be one of those nights. It's going to be one of those things. Um, but, you know, and so for that, people like look forward to it. Like Isaac would make a point of ending his tours here. Oh, so that they could rage. Yeah. You know, they would come and hang out for a bunch of days after and rage, you know, 25 to life. Same thing. They would like make this the jump off point and they go play shows and kind of go from here and always come back. Joe Harcourt would come out here and spend a month at a time sometimes. Yeah. You know, just because it's just kind of how we rolled. Like it was, you know, so as we talk about scenes, one of the things that I really came back, particularly coming back after stepping away from it for so long you know, and, and I can't say that I stepped away because I was still promoting shows and, and doing the things that I do, but, but actually trying to step back in as a band, I really start to recognize that like, wow, um, the Bay area has something like really special. Like we truly have like this community that's like, so, um, uh, cooperative, like everybody here, like it, it doesn't matter. It's not like all oh, these style bands stick together and these guys do this. Like everybody's always coming together in a way that's just like, it, it's it's impressive, man. I I know we got something really special out here because it, it's 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 a little different, man. You know, people just know it's like, hey, you're gonna come out here. Is the and this is one of the things about Oakland with the vibe too. Is like when you if you have the opportunity to hang out in Oakland, you're gonna find out that everybody just wants to have a good time and everybody's just like, woo, woo, we're gonna you know we're gonna wild out, we're gonna party this and that, and like that's you know that's the vibe that you get from everybody. If you just happen to walk into the gas station, you're going to talk to somebody and be like, yeah, you know, like, you know, yeah, there's a vibe, but it's because they all know that at some point or another it's going to go sideways. And so it's like, yo, you better get those good times in right now. Cause who now, who knows how long it's going to last. Cause it's going to get wild. any any second, you know? Oh shit. And so, yeah, I guess it, it, it's still wild, man. I mean, we, we got Eddie got caught in the middle of like a side show at one point. They're like shooting guns everywhere. There's like, you know, this cops will try to do this. Shit. There's like people blocking them. There's like 200 cars in the side show. And he's, you know, it's just a fucking wild shit. Like, you know, nobody gives a fuck. And it's, you know, it's just a town, man. It's you know, I, when I, I noticed in Oakland, was, yeah. it, it reminded me of like uh, an East Coast city for more, more so than yeah. other cities yeah. in California. It just looked a little more dirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little more like uh, rugged town, dude. It's very much like you know, uh, like Newark. It's a lot. Yeah, I thought I thought it was like Newark. I thought it was like Baltimore a little bit. 
I had that little vibe. That's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, for sure. When when I brought when when we played the pipeline, Ernie and Eddie got out there and they're like, "Oh shit, this is like Oakland." Like they just that's the first thing they said. Yeah, it makes sense. They felt like they were you know they were right at home you know. But uh, now check yeah. this out. Who was who were some of the other bands? Uh, in the Bay Area at the time that you guys would maybe right. play shows with or coming up with at the same time, putting shit out at the same time. So at that point, what really ended up starting to happen, and it truly was, it was like we were playing shows and grinding and grinding and grinding, just playing shows and hoping that something would just catch on at some point. And one day we just show up at a show and there's all these fucking kids. And we're like, yo, where the fuck did all these kids? Like literally overnight, like from one show to the next, it was like somebody flipped a switch. Wow. And all at that time, too, uh, we met Eric Ozine, and it was Redemption 87. Um, and, uh, you know, Timmy Chunks played in that band. He was living out here for a while. Um, and uh, uh, Lars had actually, you know, done some stuff with, uh, with that band as well. Uh, and then uh, we had Second Coming, which is the, my friend Joey Bell I was telling you about. Um, we met Mikey Hood, and it was the Hoods at that point. You know, and they were doing their thing. And it really, truly was like us, those four bands for the longest time. And then we had, a, there was a, our friend, uh, Mike, uh, he had a band called Pressure Point and they were like an away band. Um, but they, you know, because the scene was so small here, like punk rockers, skinheads, hardcore kids, rolled to everything. You just rolled to all the shows because it really took everybody to make any kind of show like special so yeah yeah it was kind of like one of those things so it truly was it, it crossed all genres and stuff out here for the longest time it still does you know in a lot of ways um uh, you know you get the metal head showing up and stuff too and and but it, it was it was us for years like for years it was just us you know and then slowly but surely other bands started you know pop up later in the 90s and stuff you started getting like uh, you know sworn vengeance and you know that that becomes like first oh blood. yeah i remember that name sworn vengeance yeah. yeah you know low life um you know there was some other smaller bands hornet and carbon and all these other you know bay area bands but um uh you know and then sworn vengeance had dougie uh doug weber that played in terror for a long time he ended up yeah. in terror carl That's ended up in terror carl ended up with well you know like i didn't know they were from up that way yeah yeah oh that's dope that's yeah. cool yeah, man. So, you know, there was, so th there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, 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 you know, a lot of dots connect through the Bay area in a lot of ways too. Um, you know, but like, you know, for the longest time, everybody knew this area is, you know, for thrash metal. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah. That's, that's what I'd say. I was going to mention that in the beginning. That's kind of what it's like universally known as is that yeah. Bay area thrash from the eighties yeah. you know, and, and yeah, you start talking machine head and violence yeah. and forbidden uh exodus and metallica and you know there's a lot of stuff going on here man and there's like you know yeah metal reign supreme here you know and, and that was that was like that was it for a long time man you know but um and that's why we ended up starting you know kind of playing metal shows for a long time just because there's nothing else to do you know that that was it you that know? was available those were that yeah. was what well, that's that were the shows to play and so we did and you know and, and that was cool you know but i were clearly for for most fans of metal were not were far from a metal band so you know yeah. we just you know we, we 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 got some fans but not many you know and uh and it wasn't until again all these you know it was just this weird kind of moment where all of a sudden all these kids started showing up and it was cool like we loved it it was you know we were excited you know but but that was all around that that was like 94 95 and that was like the berkeley square days you know, rip, rip the Berkeley Square. That place was dope. We, we, I mean, that place went crazy. I, I came out of there on a, I, I want to say it was Mad Bull Earth Crisis and, 
trying to remember maybe who else, maybe it was even crown of thorns. I, I don't, but people were walking out of there bloody, but like smiling. Like it was like such a wild, like angry, like violent show, but like where people walked out of there, just like they, they got every last bit of aggression out that they had. And at that point they were just like so exhausted that they were just like, That's it was a beautiful, wild. Beautiful thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a tour mad ball, uh, earth crisis. Um, uh, crown of thorns or was a scarhead i, I, I that was crown of thorns at that point oh, it was okay at that point well no but that, there was another one where it was mayable earth crisis crown of thorns this was this was an earlier and it might not have been crown of thorns on that one but yes there was a scarhead earth crisis mayable tour that came through here as well and that was a place they called the maritime hall and uh th- that place was uh you know it was okay they, they put some good shows on in there uh seen motorhead there seen you know but 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 the um, promotional company had knuckleheads for security guards. They didn't really know how to work a like a hardcore show or anything like that. And they ended up hitting the kid across the face with a mag light and like, you know, caving his face in, man. Jesus. And yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's always the worst when it's like outside security dudes in the mix. Yeah, yeah. The guys that just don't, you know, they don't know how to maintain their composure, man, you know. And so, they don't understand like what they're seeing isn't the end of right. the world. It's like, let it, let it be, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll kind of police itself if you let it. You know, but check this out. What what were some standout uh, releases you could uh, remember? Whether it was a demo, seven inch, or compilations back then that were that were important to that area. In in the Bay Area, so yeah. uh, I'm so bad at remembering some of this shit. But uh, you know, at the time, the the, the Redemption '87 record, the uh, the first one was really good. Um, you know, even the second one was really good. That came out on uh, Blackout Records. Um, you know, we got to do our first record on blackout. That was kind of like a big deal. It was like, you know, at that yeah. point we were, we were, we, you know, we were doing really well. Like that record sold well in the Bay area. Like, you know, but, but like, um, what was great at the time, you know I mean? We, so, you know, Ignite had done a bunch of stuff, not Bay area, but like, you know, California in general, you know, Ignite, mm-hmm. I, I like Ignite. They, they put out a bunch of dope stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember what I see. It's funny. Cause because there was only a few of us out here. Uh, band wise, you, you go back and you start talking about like you know, the demos. Like I would say, oh well, ruined coast, but like hey, uh, VOD, you know, the demo was insanely good. You know, dropping the oppressor and all that shit. Like that was a dope, dope, dope. Oh fucking, yeah. So know? so that stuff was making its way out there, huh? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean that that was kind of it. Like you know, there was tons. You know, we we had our few bands here, but like the New York thing was big for sure. Like you know, and 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 bands felt it when they came here like they always you know they they, they could really feel the love so like again you know when Mayball came here they they uh they were always excited to get here like you know a lot of bands just like if you talk to some of the bands in the 90s that came touring i think a lot of them would probably say hey yeah you know we were always looking forward to getting to to the bay getting to getting to oakland getting to see us like they just knew that like it was going to be a good time it was absolutely absolutely going to be a good yeah time. i remember back then you guys were always in the mix like just yeah. Even out here in PA, like everybody had your demos. Everybody knew what was up. It's just yeah. we knew we we didn't know many bands that made it out there. You know, shit was right. so unorganized. It was like a roll of the dice back then. You know, it was. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, but th- yeah. I mean, there was there was no cell phones. There was no you know uh, GPS and maps and all that shit. It was way different. There was no you know like trying to trying to get a show anywhere. It was just like fuck. You hope you knew somebody that might know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy to get you to the you know 
It's yeah. a different world. I, I look at how everything runs now. I'm like, holy fuck. I wish it was like this fucking when we're doing things earlier. Yeah. Back then, I, if, if I want to talk to somebody in Cali, I'd mail them a letter or I'd get yeah. on that pay yeah. phone with that yeah. dialer, try to scam it as long as I could. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was a pain yeah, in the ass, man. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. Going, going for to sure. a show was like a roll of the dice. If there's even a show going on, you book a show in a few states away, and it's like you booked it through mail. Like you, it, yep. it's fucking crazy to think about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, man. I mean, I used my phone bill used to be like three hundred bucks a month, you know, because I'd be trying to like set up shows and staying in touch with people and just kind of you know schmoozing and politicking, you know, just for the band and stuff. And yeah, it would get it would be ridiculous, man. It would really, really, really be ridiculous, but. Um, you know, there was good things. The hoods, you know, Mikey hood always, he put out a lot of good shit early on. So, I mean, he, that guy works hard. He plays a lot. You know, he's, he's out of his mind. Let's just make that clear. He's crazy. Very and, busy guy. Yes. In, in many busy, different yeah. ways. He's, 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 he's crazy. I, I got a soft spot for him. I still like Mikey, you know, I know. Um, seems like he manages to say things that piss people off. Uh, <laughs> I know I got to kind of like, you know, I got to take him with a grain of salt in ways, but at the same time, I still, you know, I like him because I know, you know, he's, you know, he's. I, now, how, how, where would he live exactly in the Bay Area? Where was he compared to you guys? So he was Sacramento. He was up in Sacramento. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sa yeah. Sacto Hoods. That's right. Yep. 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 So they were Sacramento, you know, but they were doing really good shit back then. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. Like it was just, it was good. It was yeah. I remember I, that's, that's a name, another name from the nineties. I always remember. And they, they came out here a lot too. The hoods and powerhouse yep. were like, th those yep. were the names. I do remember, uh, maybe this is not from California. No innocent victim. Where were they from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were from San Diego. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I remember them. They, they, they reached out here a couple times. They did. We actually ended up doing like their, their last show they ever did. And they had hate breed as their secret special guest. And we played, um, the showcase in Corona. Oh, and oh. Uh, did you guys ever play that venue? I don't think so, but maybe Space I'm wrong. Theater. Dude, that spot, that that place put on six shows. Joe Lujan over there was the man, dude. There, there was a guy named Ezot, and he was he was the the like the uh, the promoter, and then Joe kind of like ran things for him. But yeah, but um, dude, the shows that went, they they were like epic, epic, epic shows that went on out there. VOD Same. out there, and um, Hatebreed out there, just like uh, you know. Uh, Mayable shows out there. I, I saw we got to play on a, so many really, really great, great shows. But yeah, No Innocent Victim was from San Diego. They came up here a lot of times. We played with them because there's also that's, that's mad far from you guys, right? San Diego. That's yeah, like, that's like a seven hour drive. Yeah, it's like okay. it's like uh, about six hundred miles. Damn, California's big as fuck, man. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. So think of so if you think about it like this, so like you know we're kind of in we're kind of in the middle of the state. If you go talking top to bottom in San Diego's, you know, seven Way hours south. Of us. Yeah. Seven like hours. That's south. seven hours away. Like where I am in PA, I, I mean, I could get to Boston in under seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, then I, you still got, you still got another three and a half hours to get to, to the Oregon border. Holy shit. That's why. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. A big <laughs> it's, big, it's like, I want to say, I think it's 800 miles top to bottom. Damn. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty sick. Yeah. Let, let me let me get back on track, though. I'm, I'm Sorry. chilling, just enjoying the, the convos. Yep. But um, was there any kind of uh, this is one thing I I knew in California, like you know uh, they always had that controversial uh, what was that called that that 
that kind of punk rock newspaper that was always talking shit on everybody. Maximum Rock and Roll? Yeah, Maximum Rock and Roll. Was there any, like, localized Bay Area zines or anything back well, then? So- yeah. So, you know, so yeah, Maximum Rock and Roll was the big one. And, you know, especially like in the in the 80s and even the early 90s, if you got to write up a Maximum Rock and Roll, that was a pretty big deal. And we actually yeah. got like a, a reasonably good review, I think, at the time of our demo, which we were kind of shocked by. But, you know, nice. uh, take whatever we could get. But, um, yeah, I mean, they definitely had the reputation. You know, they, they kind of worked hand in hand with Gilman. So, you know, kind of gives you a sense of, uh, you know, yeah, even out here, we would know Maximum Rock and Roll was very uh, opinionated. It could be like right. they they, right. they liked what they liked and yep. weren't afraid to just like really diss the shit that they thought was beneath them. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, there was definitely a, a, an elitist kind of um, yeah, exactly yeah value that came with them. You know, but um, there's also a record store that kind of worked alongside it called Epicenter, and it was a dope record store. I mean, I I walked in there at one point. And, I don't know if it was Zowie because Zowie from Leeway had ended up living out here. He still lives out here. Could have been Harley because Harley was out here for a while. But I ended up with like, I ended up with um, uh, a straight ahead record on blue vinyl that was like signed by Tommy Carroll to whoever it was. Oh, and I ended nice. up with the underdog seven inch. And I ended up with, you know, Chromag's 10 inch, you know, fucking, you know, uh, the, the original age of quarrel, the 10 inch. Like I had come up on all these records and that place had dope shit, but they also kind of fell in that whole maximum rock and roll thing. Mm. Um, but like there was, uh, 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 our boy Colby, um, Colby Buzzle did a, a fanzine called, um, breakaway. Was it breakaway? No, I'm gonna fuck this up now. Breakaway sounded familiar. Yeah, it, it maybe it was, but well, so, so Joey Bella had a band called breakaway, but I'm trying to, uh, was it breakdown? Dude, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm terrible at these things these days. All people are going to be hitting me up being like, oh, what he meant to say was. Well, yeah, they could. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll correct me. Hey, yeah, all you yeah. guys, no, they correct you, me. You, you put it down the way you remember it. That's all that counts. I got I got COVID brain these days. So Yeah, for real. The world has become a blur. Me too. The world has become a blur, man. Like, <laughs> I have lost complete track of time. But um, it was Breakdown. It was Breakdown was the, the fancy because he had a Breakdown Records, too. He did, he did some comps and stuff. He did some really cool comps for, like, local... Bay Area stuff. There was a, like a you know a band called Model American. I was from out here, and some of those guys went on to play with them, the Distillers and shit, and um, the Nerve Agents, which was another band that Eric Ozine did after um, Redemption '87. But uh, Colby did some really good. He did some good. Uh, he did good zines. His zine was probably like the one out here at the time. And then he also had like a record label, and he did some comps and stuff too, which is which was cool. You know, he did his part. He actually ended up becoming a writer. And oh yeah. He was writing for GQ and he ended up um he ended up going to, to to Iraq. He fought in the Iraq war. He he joined the army at one point and, and then he ended up coming back and he wrote he wrote a book and he and it was dope because he called it My War and it was a, you know a killing time in Iraq. But like those are all you know, my war is a black flag reference, killing time in Iraq. Yeah. A killing time, but he made all these hardcore references throughout the book and it ended up on like the the bestseller list or something at some point. I, oh, I believe. that's sick. That's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just it's kind of always dope to see when hardcore kids like you know, you know. Yeah, it's kind of zine- cool. We know enough people doing cool shit these days, you know. And the zines back then were really important. It was like they were. Uh, that was it, especially to kick in like the the shit out of your area. You know, like you don't know about because yeah. the kids working the zines that they work like similar to the guys in the bands. You know, like they yep. were re- they were reaching out. They were trying to get you know, review something from elsewhere and then the local kids check it out, blah, blah, blah. Totally. Deal. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it was, it was so small out here for so long that like, you know, 
he really was the dude. He was a guy with the zine. He was, he was the one guy that did something pretty dope and he did it on a regular basis. It wasn't, you know, cause you'll get guys that will pop in, they'll drop one thing and then they disappear or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. He, he stuck with it and he did some really cool shit. And, uh, he actually, he ended up touring with, uh, H2O for a while. He ended up hanging out with them and stuff. And, you know, he's, he's a good dude, a good, good dude. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know he's doing, he's doing well. So, uh, I, I was like seeing, you know, Hey, I like seeing people from the hardcore scene doing cool shit. You know, my friend oh, RJ, my friend RJ, he's been around forever too. He owns a bunch of coffee shops here. He, he's vegan. He's always been vegan. He's not a preachy dude. He just does it because that's what he feels is best for him. His wife does it too. And he owns a bunch of really successful vegan coffee shops. And, uh, and he kills it. And so I'm psyched to see him killing it, you know, and Colby too, you know, respect to what he's done and just seeing like cool people doing cool shit and just being successful at it. Yeah. When, when somebody comes out of the scene and does something strong, yeah, you know, that's it's really happening. dope. And there's some yeah. real big examples of that shit too, man. I'd love to do an episode just going over every one I could think of every, every hardcore kid that made something dope, you know? Little extra. That could be a, yeah, that could be a yeah. big episode, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like when you start seeing some of the really coolest shit going on, it's like it's not Joe Schmo, it's it's somebody from like the hardcore scene or the punk scene or whatever. That's a doing where was it totally. called? They were always in the cool it like to me. This she this scene is the the one that really influences. It does, you know, but but whenever the like the, the initial influence is always forgotten, you know, it's it's that's just the way it always works, you know. Like yep. Even with tattoos, like, I mean, come on, like, be, like, look at guys like Vinny, Roger, John Joseph, Harley, the squad, you know, even in the 90s, like bands like Biohazard, covered in tattoos, that wasn't a thing yet, you know what I mean? Now it's like, you, you our librarians are covered in tattoos now, yeah. you know? It's like, yeah, it's like that, and I, yeah. I'm going to correct myself right now before someone does it for me, is Breakout, Breakout was Colby shit. Breakout Zine? Breakout Zine, Breakout was the the the, the label as well. Breakout, but he so was that was, he was, that was a label and and a fanzine. Yeah, he did he did some comps. It wasn't that he put out like he didn't put out tons of bands or anything like that, but he did a bunch of like local comps, and he had good bands on there. He had, he had some really good comps, um, you know. And then and then you know with, uh, we had a, a guy named Sammy the Mick. He ended up doing a bunch of stuff. He did some comps out here and stuff. He put some things together, and you know he did that too. And um, you know, rest in peace, Sammy. He he passed away a bunch of years ago now, but um, uh. Uh, yeah, I mean, those those were, you know, there was always these people, you know, Sammy had his bands too. He did stuff out here at a little bit so often. What else did he do? Uh, Grace, Grace Alley and some others. He had, a, he had a few different things going on too. But, you know, there was a lot of contributors out here, which was kind of dope. Everybody yeah. kind of, everybody kind of understood that, like, you know, it, it, it takes all of us, you know, to, to, to make something great, especially like, you know, like, so, and you know, when you're on the East Coast, um, you know, uh, you can you can you can play a show and drive two two and a half hours and be in a completely different market playing to a completely separate crowd you know you're True. not gonna get that yeah. same. We're, we're out here for the longest time you know we would drive to la shows we would drive out to reno we would drive to sacramento we would drive to santa cruz you go everywhere like you know and it, it really took everybody showing up all the time for things to really be something and that that was then now we're kind of experienced like LA, you could do kind of what you do in the East coast. Like people don't leave their neighborhoods because the traffic sucks. And what you were dealing with today, the traffic's so fucking bad. They don't want to leave their neighborhood. So you can literally, you could play a show, drive an hour and a half and be in a completely different market now. 
And and the Bay That's Area wild. is kind of getting the same way. The Bay Area is getting the same way because the traffic's that bad, you know. Like people won't, don't want to cross the bridge, so like you'll get completely different crowds in San Francisco versus Oakland. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we we actually uh, when we played out there even back then they were saying it's kind of a different crowd, San Fran compared yeah. to Oakland. It is. It is. It really is. You know, it's, That's it's wild. crazy. Yeah, I had a good time in San Francisco too. I ate at a place called. Uh, the garlic rose, but it was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is the that still around the place? The stinking rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Stinking rose. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. That's it's still there. That's like one of those. You know, it's um, it's been there a long time. I don't think it's going anywhere. It, it, it it's moved its location uh recently, but um, yeah, stinking rose. Everything's with garlic. They get crazy with it. You know. Um, I remember everybody yeah. in the band. They wanted seafood because you know they're in San Fran or whatever. But I don't yeah. really, I don't mess with seafood. So I went to that spot solo and I just feasted out. And and you I thought crazy. it was pretty good. Yeah, I was. I nobody could be near no. me for a I while. I tell you what to do when you come to SF. There's certain things that you want to do. Yeah. So your band, that's probably a right call. You know, we're here. You know, you're surrounded by water in a lot of ways. Um. Uh. So like. You come to SF, you eat crab. Like, you know, that's like one of those things. Somebody asked me a long time ago, they were from Boston. Like, hey, what do you guys do? What do you guys do in the in the Bay? You know, what's the, what's the traditions out there? Because, you know, obviously they got like, you know, Boston clam chowder and you got this and the lobsters and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know, if you come to San Francisco, you got to get Dungeness crab. That's what, just what you do. Like, you know, that's 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 the move. That's if you eat that. I can't. I, I got, yeah. you know, I'm allergic to shellfish, so I can't even fuck with that shit. But like, oh, yeah, you can't go near it. That's one of those things that, you know, people do. And so that this friend came out and I took him. He's like, holy shit, I could eat this every day. Like he was, you know, he was really psyched on it. Or if you don't do that, Mexican food out here is like pizza. You throw a rock, you're going to hit like a halfway decent like spot. You know, mm, but it's like yeah, yeah. on the East Coast is Mexican food out here. Like, you know, so the Mexican food is kind of like, you know, but like the Chinese food here is what you go for. Chinese. Yeah. Oh, Dude, we right. got the, we got, we got the biggest Chinatown outside of 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 uh, china we got the biggest chinatown in in you know in the world next to you know next to anything in, in you know in china like they, that's they, wild i didn't know that huge, i love chinese food we got a huge chinese population here dude and we got the biggest chinatown in the country any chinese hardcore bands or not no no i mean Damn, china, that'll be dope when that happens though it would be kind of sick right but 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 yeah no they did the, the chinese food out here there's there's a few spots in particular. If you ever end up back out here and you love Chinese food, I'll take you to the spots. Oh, yeah. But that's what like you come here for. Like, that's, you know, if, if, if we got to hit them. Where I live, I live here in SF. And, and where I live in SF, my neighborhood has, you know, there's more Chinese people here than in, in Chinatown. Like, it's it's a huge Chinese neighborhood. And, and there's a spot not too far from me that's insane. I'll take you there. Beautiful. When you come out, I'll take you there. You'll lose your mind. It's that good. I love you. I thought San Fran was dope. Now lately, San Fran's getting a bit, real bad rap with like homeless and like uh, like lefty politics type stuff. You know, this is just stuff I'm hearing on the news, but I don't know what's true anymore. You know. Well, yeah, we could all say that. I mean, I um, they're acting like you go there to die. You know, like you know, it's like the end of. The, <laughs> yeah. But I remember when I in, being in New York every day, working, and I'm watching the news and acting like like uh, uh, New York is about to like you know implode and it's horrible and you can't walk down right. the street. Right. Meanwhile, I'm laying in the park eating some beef jerky. Nobody's bothering me. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, you're chilling out. Well, yeah. the same for me, man. I mean, I go through. I work here every day. Like you know, I, you know, it's it's. Uh, I live here. I work here. It's like, you know, if you go looking for it, I mean, I, I could go anywhere and see some shit if I really want to look for it. Oh, you know? for real. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, it's just kind of what you want. You know, I, I can't get caught up with a lot of that shit. I mean, it, people are going to pick on things all over the place, you know, and I'm just like, I, I don't got time for all that, you know? Yeah. I got to keep it moving. If someone okay. was talking to me about like some kind of shit. I was like, wow, you got a lot of time on your hands, bro. I'm too busy for that shit. I can't get caught up in that. You know? Yeah. It's, it's right now. The whole political deal is like over the top. I mean, this country's yeah. split in half. Everybody hates each other. This yeah. guy don't like that guy. And I got on like this guy, but I don't it really sucks. Say. You know what I do though? I, I love, I love watching the news. I do. I love watching it. I love learning yeah. about it, but I don't act like I know what the hell is the right or wrong. I, to me, right. it all seems like bullshit. Like, you know, I can't be like, Oh, yep. That's right. I'm sticking with that side. I see yeah. a bunch of crazy people on both sides going nuts. And it's all suspect. It's all suspect. That's why at this point, all I can do is, um, like focus on the shit that really means something, the shit that where I can, where I can actually do, uh, where I can influence like good change or good cause in my life and in the people's lives that are around me. Like that's all I can focus on. If I get caught up on all that other crazy shit, I'm going to fucking lose my mind and I'm not going to get anything done. So I just, I worry, I can only focus on the things that I know I really can do something about, you know, hardcore for hardcore. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, and that's it. I focus here. You know, this is this is this is where my focus is with my people. I'm Let me get back to the '90s then. Yeah, let's do it. Check this out. Check this out. You when you tour around, you travel, especially back then. You probably know. Oh, this city looks like this. These kids are wearing that. You know, yep. I, I see. What was the style in the Bay Area for the most part with the hardcore kids? Uh, you, you honestly like it was kind of like a mishmash. It was funny because you know, again, it was like. Uh, it, so there was the uniforms. There was definitely people that rocked the docks and the, uh, the, the Dickies and all that kind of shit. And, and the wife beaters or, or the Guinea teas, however you want to call them. You know, I always called it a Guinea tea until I got out here and then also became a wife beater. And I was like, okay, you know, yo, did, when you were called a Guinea tea, did they know what you were even talking about when you get, got no, out they laughed at me. They laughed at me when I called it Guinea tea, like a Guinea tea. What's that? And I was like, oh, yeah, nobody that's knows that one. That's, that's like New Jersey shit right there. You know, wife beater. I was like, no, it's a Guinea tea. Like, oh, no, 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 that's a wife beater. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, but, but anyway, it was like that, you know, or, uh, you know, the camo, the camo, you know, shorts, like all that, you know, and, but then all of a sudden, it, you know, later on, it became like the Jankos and all that kind of shit. And that was more like, that was like the fashion hardcore, then, which didn't really catch on in the Bay. Like the Bay didn't really do that. We, it was definitely a lot more street here. You know, there's definitely other parts of uh, California where it was more trendy and fashion and stuff like that. And it definitely was not here. Like it, it was definitely, you know, it was more rugged. It was definitely more, it was definitely more street. Like, you know, the, the majority of the, you know, the kids that are doing the hardcore thing. And if, and if you weren't, you were, you were doing your, you know, your running shoes and your fucking, you know, your, your, your Nike shorts and shit like that. You know, everybody had their uniforms in, in, in some way or another, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How about Carhartt? Were people rocking the Carhartts back then? Yeah, yeah, Carhartts for sure. Yeah, I had a dope Carhartt work, work jacket that I loved for the longest time, and I wore the fuck out of that thing. I ruined it, and I was like, God damn, I love that jacket. I wish I, I wish I hadn't worn it so much. But yeah, Carhartts were big. The Carhartt. yeah, if, I, if I ever went to a scene and I saw the kids with Carhartts, I'm like, all right, I might like this scene out here. Then. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let no, me, Carhartts were big. Let me check into it, yeah. Carhartt work jackets, the Carhartt sweatshirts for sure, you know. 
people rocking those. The Dickies were the, the shorts. Everybody rocked Dickie shorts and stuff. You know? Oh, that but seems like some California shit, right? The Dickie shorts. Dickies, well, yeah, the Dickie shorts were, but then you know, but also like you know, there's a lot of like Latinos that got into hardcore and, and punk rock and stuff, and so there's kind of like a little bit of a cholo element in some respects, and so like they were wearing the Dickies pants, you crease them, they'd like iron them out, and get the creases real sharp, and all that kind of shit. So, Yo, like the Mexican dudes always like heavy music, right? It seems like. A lot of them, yeah. A lot of them do. It's funny, though, because a lot of them also went to, like, you know, like, freestyle. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Lisa and all that kind of shit. Like, that was a big one for them, too. And then the hip-hop thing kind of came into it, you know. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of them do. I mean, the crazy thing is, so we we were fortunate enough, and I think it was 96, 90, early 97, we played with Suicidal Tendencies. And, uh, and, uh, uh, fuck. An entire 1,200 kids, I'd never seen fucking one of them ever before in my life. Like, it's like, yo, we've been playing shows. At that point, we've been playing shows for like five years. It's like, where, where the fuck did you people come from? Like, we never, you know, but it was all like, it was like a huge, it was all Latino kids. Like, it was all like, wow, you know, that's awesome. But it was wild, you know, it was cool. But yeah, it was like, you know, and, but everybody had the flipped up hats and the fucking white beaters and the fucking, the dicky <laughs> pants and all that shit and the shell toes. Everyone was rocking the shell toes and shit. And, you know, Again, there's the uniform, but, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of that, you know, that, that was a Cali thing for sure. You know, people walk, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Virgin of the Guadalupe and all that shit with the t-shirts and all oh, beautiful. I like that look. That stuff. Yeah. It was all that stuff, man. You know, that was, that was like, you know, yo, was there any like straight edge element in the, in the Bay area? Yeah. Huge, huge, man. Like, you know, there was, there was, you know, there was a lot of that, like, um, you know, I, I'm sober. I've been sober a long time. Um, I ended up with a straight edge tattoo, you know, um, but uh, my man, our house is far from a straight edge band. We never claimed to be, we never would, could be, it would be impossible, you know, yeah. the way guys carry on. Um, but, um, but uh, there were bands, there was definitely this band called Rely. They were a straight edge band. They were young kids. There was a band called uh, Strength by Strength. And there was actually a kid that moved out from Jersey. He's back out there again. Now his name was Justin. He played in that band. Um, they were a straight edge band. There was a bunch. I mean, you know, cause uh, you know, earth crisis, there was a whole group of kids out here. They were vegan. Um, they, they were friends with, I don't know if you ever, there was, there was a big crew that was in Salt Lake. That was also in Southern California called uh, monster crew. Okay. And, I know uh, that name. Yeah. They were, they were like big time, like vegan straight edge kids. And there was like a group up here that was like, they weren't, monster crew but they were friends with all them and there was like a whole set of what guys. were they kids from salt lake that went up there they just combined with some no they no these were these were local kids but they ended up because they all had things in common they all became friends you know so got you got you, you. Know, and, and, and like to the point now where i still know people that like they'll go out and chill with a lot of those people in salt lake you know because they're all still kind of around you know um yeah I don't know how much so so much in in, in socal but like the, the the there's still quite a few of them in in salt lake as far as i understand but you know there was a there was a whole group of them out here too you know and and powerhouse is a band we tried to be cool with them but like, yo come hang out come to barbecue this and that but like you know on principle they didn't really want to do it at the time so they just you know we try to include them you know but they ernie, just, ernie took that as an insult uh yeah he did he had yeah the, i love that guy Man, that's great he, he ended up he ended up blasting the big one of the <laughs> <laughs> we had this we had so you you talking mentioned about characters we had we had a friend his name's psycho mike he's a small dude yeah yeah psycho let's mike. get to this the characters of, of the bay area like psycho mike had a very hard life okay like a really hard life um and and uh you know it, 
his social skills, he, you know, you could tell there was points where he was like, just like, you know, he was, you know, he was wound kind of like, you could just tell there was a rage inside him. He was wound kind of tight. And so when you'd start, you know, bands would be playing this stuff, he'd really go off and he wouldn't really bother anybody. He was like, you know, soaking wet. He might've been 110 pounds, you know? And some of these, some other kids that really didn't like him very much. And, and, you know, they, they felt like they had problems with them and, you know, maybe Mike instigated a little bit or not. I don't know. We always just say, Hey, you know what, you know, Mike's had his, his troubles. Just, you know, just leave him be. If you just leave him alone, he'll be fine. He won't bother you. Just leave him alone. But, you know, I guess in, in their minds, they felt like he was, you know, coming into their space too much or whatever. I don't know. But at one point, this one guy, you know, who's probably twice his size almost, you know, got the best of him. And so Mike, being who he was, actually wanted to go fight this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back. You know, meanwhile, this guy, again, is still almost like twice his size. And they end up outside of Gilman. And, and Mike goes to get into it with him. And the guy starts getting the best of him again. And Ernie was just like, fuck it. I'm not letting this guy fucking do this. And he runs up. And he's like, wham. And he just blasts this dude. And the guy comes walking up. He's like, I've never been hit like that before. And he's got like a softball, like on the sides of his oh, side of face already. Like his fucking face is just like swole, dude. And I'm just like, dude, you got hit by a man. That's because, you know, he would get into these fights, but always be like, you know, people smaller than him, younger than him. This and that. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got, that's what it means to get rocked. You just get, you just got hit by a man. That's what happened, yeah, yeah. you know? But, but yeah, Mike was, Mike was wild. He was, he was, <laughs> he, uh, he's yeah he's he was he was out of his psycho mind. mike psycho mike yeah psycho mike but yeah rightfully so man his his upbringing was rough but ernie looked out for him ernie cared about him so you know he's like oh, i'm not gonna let this guy do this to you again so beautiful beautiful he smashed him pretty good he smashed him pretty good but yeah ernie ernie was probably the, the ultimate character out here he was he was fucking crazy he was crazy everybody knew him right Everybody, everybody loved him too. Like, you yeah. know, you, they either loved him or feared him or both. You you mm-hmm. might have loved him and feared him all at the same time because, you know, he could be the light switch where he could be having the greatest time ever. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Err! you know, fucking the brakes hit and all of a sudden he's like, and he fucking wants to kill everybody. You wow. Know? You know, wrecking the house, this and that, you know, pulling guns out, pulling knives out, fucking threatening, fucking kill everybody. Like, the, oh, you know, man. Is that was out of fucking, watched him knock out a lot of people, dude. I watched him knock out a lot of people. We we had we had a venue that we did in deep East Oakland, man. Like the, the you know the deeper East Oakland you get, it gets it gets crazy, dude. It's 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 wild out there. And we had this club called the Bomb Shelter that we did, and it didn't last long. It lasted maybe like eight months, nine months. But at the, we we put VOD in there. We put fucking One King Down in there. We put Murphy's Law in there. We put Twenty Five to Life in there. Agnostic Front, AFI. We played there. Wow, damn. Um, uh, Brothers Keeper. Um, I'm trying to remember who else we put through that. I mean, a lot of bands came through there, man. We had a good, good, like a good run. Yeah. And uh, I remember at one point um, <laughs> we're standing outside the venue and uh, uh, this kid comes walking past Ernie's girlfriend at the time and, and says something kind of foul to her. And I don't even know what he said, but um, she just said, yeah, you better watch what you're saying. She, she's just like, fuck you, bitch. And she's like, she, I just see her turning. Oh, the going, Ernie, and Ernie comes out. And Ernie couldn't see for shit, dude. Like, Ernie was, he was like blind. He used to like take his finger and pull on the corner of his eye so he could see. Because almost like bend his eyeball in a way so he could see some shit. And he would like pull it back. And it was, was just, he like legally blind? Uh, probably should have been. I put his glasses on once just to see what the fuck it was like, dude. And it gave me a headache in like a second because his glasses were thick, dude. Like, Did he drive and stuff or not? 
Uh, he did. I mean, that was a crazy part. But like, you know, <laughs> at one point we were, we were on like Mister Magoo driving this shit, dude. We, we're so we're, we're in Chico, which is like uh, north northeast of us, and and we're going to play a show. And he's like, "Fuck it, I want to drive. I want to drive." <laughs> and so I pulled over because he's just a, he's like annoying the fuck out of me. He's like, "I want to drive." I'm like, "I right, fucking." So I pulled over. I said, "Go ahead, dude, drive." And he gets in the driver's seat and he just goes. He starts hitting the gas. He goes, let me know if I hit anything. Oh, no, that's <laughs> not good. You know you're going to hit some shit. <laughs> and, and everyone just, like, grabbed, fucking held on for their lives as he just started going, man. Because you knew you could He couldn't see a guy. He couldn't see anything, dude. But um, he comes out of the club, and he's squinting. And he looks at the first dude, and the guy kind of, like, freezes up and just points, like, just raises his hand and points to the, to the other side. And it turns, and he sees the other dude there. And the guy just goes to say something, goes, uh, and there's a Boom! And he smashes his dude. He he. Ernie was only about five six, and he's but he's like three hundred pounds. Oh my god! So, so he's like a tank powerhouse. And his wrist, real powerhouse. His, his wrists were huge, dude. Like he had lunch boxes when he his paws were like lunch boxes. And he caught this dude from under the jaw, and he lifted him probably a foot off the ground. And I'm watching him airborne with his eyes rolling back in his head, and he's just like sailing through the air, and he, he comes crashing down. And all his other friends started taking off. And so now Ernie's like fucking flipping out on them. And, and then this guy kind of comes back too when he gets up and he starts running toward this car. And then now they're starting to yell and talk shit and they get in the car and then they make this turn down the street thinking they're getting away and they go down this dead end. And meanwhile, everybody else is coming chasing after him. And now they're stuck in this little oh, dead end alley. Shit. One of our boys runs up onto the hood, uh, onto the roof of the car and he starts jumping on. He starts caving in the fucking, the, the roof of the car. Ernie grabs the glass on the window because the driver's window was open maybe like an inch or two. And he's just like, ah, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to piss in your mother's ass. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, glass shatters in the, in the fucking window. And he just said, boom, and he smashes that dude and knocks him out behind the fucking driver's seat. This is like fucking he was an animal, dude. He was a fucking animal. Damn. So it was, was, was it a violent scene? Or just uh, like this is the antics after the show. No, this, it, it was more like antics. I wouldn't say it was a violent scene. I mean, no. it's kind of weird. I mean, the nineties kind of had that reputation, right? You know, it definitely yeah. there was definitely it definitely did, but you're kind of the impression I'm getting of the Bay Area is that it's pretty well unified. We needed to be. I mean, there was definitely some points where there there was some there were some directions it could have went. And I kind of I I did my best to try to steer them in a way where I felt it was gonna be more um just just a better move for everybody where it's just kind of like yeah no i know this seems like a fucked up thing and you want to straighten somebody out but like in the big picture this isn't gonna be good for anybody Mm. you know and and um and it ended up working out in the end it did but um it was unified. It was unified in a lot of ways. You know, there's always these, these there's, there's, always, there's always the people on the outside of the circle that want to try to get in. And those are the people that always <laughs> get knocked out. It's, it's funny. It seemed like more times than not, when we play some of these shows and there was a guy in the powerhouse shirt, he was the guy that got knocked out at oh, our own yeah. show. The guy in the powerhouse shirt would get knocked out at our show. You know, <laughs> <It's just laughs> funny. and there'd be the guy knocking him out, you know, but, but it was going to be some shit like that, you know? Shit like that, but Ernie was Ernie was definitely a character. He was he was you know if you you could talk to a lot of people about him, they're all gonna have some kind of wild story about him, you know. Yeah, I hear his name come up a lot, you know. Yeah, even 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 in real time back then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reputation definitely leaked out this way. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah but, but well loved always, definitely. Yes, uh, yes, he he was he true because at the same time as 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 nasty as he could be, he could also be just like you're gonna have the greatest time ever. Yeah, you, you're gonna get into some shit. It's gonna be wild, and and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna let you're gonna just yeah. He always was into. He was he never worked. I as long as I knew him, I knew him for for twelve almost thirteen years. He never had a job. How did he survive? What the hell was going on? Yeah, he he hustled, man. Like he 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 lived on the barter system. He traded shit all the time. He like you know. He's made it happen. One week he'd have a stand up Vanguard video game shit, and then the next week he'd have a car, and then the week after that he'd have fucking two pounds of weed, and then the the week after that he'd have some guns, and then the week after that it'd be something else. Like and he'd always be swapping it out for something, and somehow coming up and making money. You know. Beautiful. On a regular man, he was just like you know he's always hustling, man. Always hustling. Yo, how did, if, if you don't mind me asking, how did he pass? So he uh he ended up having cancer, man. You know, he, oh. he was only he was only 37 when he died. Jesus. He was 37 years old, dude. But um he uh he ended up, you know, he cancer was everywhere. Like they thought, you know, he in, in 2004, early in 2004, um he was driving to LA with one of our good friends, little Kev, little Kev had a t-shirt company. They were going down to like a t-shirt convention in LA. And, uh, Ernie was having trouble just sitting in the car. He was in a lot of pain and they started running all these tests and they're like, Oh, Hey, you got this tumor. It's pushing on your stomach. You know, we think we can take it out. You should be fine. Blah, blah, blah. And then when he went in, we played with redemption 87 on some reunion shows. We played April, I think it was April 23rd of 2004. That was the last time I got to play with him. He went in to be prepped for surgery the next day. He had the surgery on that Monday, that, which I guess was probably the 25th at that point. And they opened him up, planning to do the surgery. And when they opened him, the, the shit was everywhere. He had cancer everywhere, dude. And they literally closed him up and just said, yo, there's nothing we can do for you. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he died, he died eight months later. Did they give him a time or something like that? Uh-huh. Well, they told him, oh, you got like six months to a year. He made it eight months. Oh. He, he just he died uh december man. 16th of uh, imagine being told that man like fuck what do you do uh, like wow well, how did he handle it what did he uh did he tell anybody the news he got well, that was so he told me because you know we, we had a tattoo shop together he was like um we we're business partners so you know we we're bandmates we we're business partners he was like my best friend man and mm. he swore me to secrecy at the time it was hard because you know I, I actually had to stop going out because i you know i would see people and they would just be like They'll be like, uh, hey, man, how's Ernie doing? What's up? Yo, I seen he's lost all this weight. He looks great, this and that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's doing Atkins right now. Like, you know, you'd have to tell him some line of bullshit because, you know, he just he didn't he didn't want people to see him in what he felt was a vulnerable state. Yeah. He didn't want to be seen as weak. He didn't want to any of that. You know, he was losing a lot of weight. He didn't feel strong, you know, to the point where he 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 rolled strapped all the time just because he didn't feel he didn't have the confidence that he normally did. You know, mm. you know, so, um, uh, but yeah, it got him, man. It sucked. It, it, it was like all over his body. They had told him like, Hey man, you know, we could, we could take all this shit out. You'll probably have no feeling from your waist down. You'll probably have like a catheter, uh, or, uh, you know, might even have a colostomy bag, this and that, whatever. Uh, but you're, you're also, your lymph nodes are really inflamed. So there's probably no point in doing that. So, so at that point he literally just said, fuck it. And he just started, they gave him morphine patches to take care of the pain. And he just, you know, he took him as he needed him. And he just fucking, he, 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 he fucking rode that shit out, man. Brutal, brutal. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's so hard. Young, too young, man. Fuck. Crazy young, dude. I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, he loved life. He loved living life. That's the the, the, the shittiest part about it, man. Yeah. You know, he just, he loved, like, he, I admired the way he lived life. The way he lived life, I was just like, God damn, man, this motherfucker knows how to do it. Like, I'm impressed. He just doesn't give a fuck, you know? And then now you got these uh, young, healthy motherfuckers that are miserable and want to fucking die every two seconds. And it, yeah. it, they're not sick. They're the healthiest could be. They're not taking advantage of the moment. Nothing. It's like, you know, who knows what's in their head? I can't say, but it's just like life is not fair, man. That's for sure. No. Yeah. So that that kind of poses this interesting thing, too. And I know this has nothing to do with hardcore. At this point, we're kind of getting on these tangents. But so, you know, Ernie died at 37. He died from cancer. He chose not to fight it. He just, you know, because it didn't seem like there was any point to doing that it sounds like they didn't give him much of hope in their in their evaluation you know there there weren't there weren't there weren't options for him so you know but he lived life full as fuck dude like i don't think he would look back and regret anything that he did like when it came to how he lived his life Mm. he lived the fuck the way he wanted now my mother died from cancer she was a health freak like she fucking if she ate some some saltine crackers with some peanut butter on it that was her wilding out like that was her getting fucking oh my gosh like she didn't drink, she never did drugs, she exercised all the time, she ate crazy healthy, you know, she was, you know, she was all this shit. And, you know, she was hedging her bets living the way she did. And, and it took her too. I mean, she wasn't she wasn't crazy. She was like 65. That's not really old, you know. But no. based on a healthy she did, person. Too. Well, yeah, you know, and if you were to look at, you know, like her her mother and all of her aunts and her uncles, they all lived way into the 90s, man. So like you know, her, her older sister is, is turning 80 years old. Like, you know, I mean, so, um, it's like, what's better. I mean, she lives with a ton of regret, I think in the end. And yeah, no, so, yeah, so, I see that. Too. It's, it's kind of a weird, you know, what do you do? You know, and I look at my father, my father smokes weed, my father drinks, my father, you know, he, he eats whatever the fuck he wants and he's still going strong, you know? So yeah, it's like a roller, like Bruce Lee and shit, you know, dude like yeah. that. He croaks yeah. out of nowhere, this motherfucker. Yeah, you don't know, especially with cancer. It's just like it's it's like we make a big deal out of this thing, a big deal out of that thing. Meanwhile, everybody's dropping like flies of cancer. Nobody's mentioning it. Like it's that's yeah. not that's not a pandemic in itself. Yeah, it's yeah. Just true, one, man. One form or, uh, or another. You're hearing about that multiple times a, a year. You know, among young yeah, people, we, we know too many people these days that have it, bro. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it is, man. It really is. But um, that that has nothing to do with hardcore. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. We go where we go wherever. The, you know what is hardcore? Going wherever the fuck we want to go with it. That's it. hundred percent. Talk about what we want to talk about. That's it. We you oh, you laid it out nice for him because I I was pretty ignorant to the to the Bay Area hardcore scene. You know, you hear about the L.A. bands and you hear about L.A. hardcore, yeah. especially yeah. '80s and stuff, but. 90s i knew from living through the 90s i knew about i knew about powerhouse and the hoods and stuff but yeah but yeah. i didn't know i didn't know about the zines and i didn't know you know i, I wanted to know i would wish i could have could have went out there in real time back then and, and experienced this so this is the closest thing you know you had a good time richie you would have definitely had a good time i'll tell oh, you that yeah. right now yeah i would have loved that that's, there'd that's, be always some wild shit at one point especially uh, the barbecue you barbecue until dude. three in the morning oh yeah that i was love it we would barbecue before we would pregame barbecue before the show, go play the show, come back and like barbecue back up and keep going all night, you know. And that'd be that'd be a, that would be, you know, four or five days a week a lot of times. It was just like, yeah. you know, this is what we did, you know, and and you know, like Scarhead would come through, 
And they would just, they'd end up, Ernie lived in this row of houses and he fucking, <laughs> he would come and just crash out for like, you know, a couple of weeks, just hang out, fucking party the whole time and just get into shit and, you know, whatever. And then finally decide, oh, fuck, I guess we need to go home. Like, you know, decide like, oh yeah, I guess we've been here too long now. We got to get out of here, you know? Wow. what a, what a People thing. just do it, you know, they just, you know, they knew. Oakland, they knew baby. The spot. They knew it was the spot. Oakland definitely made his mark. Now, uh, when you look back, when you look back into, into that era, the 90s, the people you met, I mean, what kind of, uh, what's it mean to you, that part of your life? Well, fuck, man. I mean, I really, I mean, that was like the greatest time of my life. You know, I, there's, you know, and there's always just chapters to your life, right? And, and the chapter I'm in right now is is pretty cool, but that was that was probably one of the most epic chapters of my life. That's where I really became who I was. Like, you know, growing up, um, uh, I felt pretty insignificant. You know, my parents had very little to do with me. They, they could give two fucks about me. My mother actually really didn't like me very much. Oh man. And, and, uh, uh, and not, not because anything I did, it was her own kind of, um, uh, I don't know. She had, her, she had her problems. I'll just say that, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I really truly became someone that I liked when I got here and I started actually playing music and really expressing myself and, and becoming someone that I really enjoyed being, you know, because the person, you know, I was raised to believe that I was a piece of shit, that I was worthless, that I was nothing that, you know, I didn't matter. That's how I was raised. And so to, to, to come from that and then come out to a place where, and that's part of what, uh, why Ernie meant so much to me was that, um, like I said earlier, he like demanded your friendship. So you, you knew that you were wanted, you know, you knew mm. that like you meant something to someone, you know, and, and again, he didn't necessarily was communicated the best way because, you know, sometimes he like, you fucking punk. I can't believe you didn't come out here, blah, you know, and he'd be flipping out. But meanwhile, the, the, you know, the other end of it is, is like, he really, you meant that much to him that he, you know, he was hurt that you weren't there, you know? And, uh, and, and so for me, you know, getting out to, to California, there's a few things I, I didn't really understand until much later in my life was a, I needed to get the fuck away from my mother because she was just not someone that I should be around. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but B, uh, I, I really started to become the person that I was meant to be. Um, I, I was really truly becoming a person that I, I liked more and, um, you know, you probably know this too, you know, growing up on the East coast, it's, there's, there's, there can be some pretty conservative and traditional kind of values. Like, Hey, you go to, you go to high school and then you graduate high school and then you go to, you go to college and then you graduate college and then you get a job and then you get married and then you have kids and you buy your house and, and that's your life, you know? And you know, that, that's the kind of shit that was kind of being pushed on me at points too. And it wasn't like, it was demanded, but it was kind of expected in ways. And I was like, that, that ain't me. That ain't how I'm trying to live, man. And, and when I came out here, I, I was really able to just kind of flourish and become this, this person that I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, it was kind of meant to be. And, and I ended up having some of the best friendships of my life. I mean, you know, I, when I left New Jersey, I was only, you know, you know, just under three years sober, you know, and mm. at that point, a lot of the, the people that I still knew that I ran with, we're still deep in their uh, addictions and stuff. And and a bunch of those people have died and some have gotten better. And, and that's really cool. Um, the ones that have gotten better, it's sad for the ones that, that, that didn't make it. Um, but, you know, 
once I got here, uh, I've, I've ended up with, you know, I'm still friends with all the same people, man. I'm still friends with all of them 30 years later. And I love them all to death, man. And, and uh, I'm really fortunate for all of that. Everything that I've, everything that I've gained being here is, is just like that whole chapter. I mean, has, has, although some of that chapter closed, there's other parts that have extended. It's almost like the, it's almost like the redo, you know, where, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and some of those pieces have always been, they've, they've remained. And so for me, it's like that, that, that was, that was an epic part of my life doing the band, being around Ernie, just like, just living the way we did. Cause you know, there was a lot less cares, man. Like you didn't have the response, you know, it sucks being responsible. It gets in the fucking way of everything, you know? And, 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 you know, as we get older, it seems like you gotta be more and more responsible all the time, man. And, and so like that, that point in my life was just like, Hey man, you know what? Yeah, maybe we get the bills paid. Maybe we don't. We're gonna go play these shows, and you know, yeah, uh, fuck it's yeah. one of those things. Like you know, well, who who knows? Fuck it, let's just go play this show. Who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows if we're even gonna get any money for it? But let's just go fucking play this show. Like you could do that back then, and just like, yeah, you know. And it was more about it wasn't even necessarily about the show so much as it was the journey. You yeah, know? everything that came with going to play that show. That's more what it was all about. And you could probably look back now and you got friends all over the country in different spots, maybe even all over the yes. world. And it's all, it all came from, you know, it's all because of hardcore, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild thing. And, uh, nah, I, 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 I appreciate the way you laid it out, especially but hearing about like the stuff you said about your mother. Oh man, that's, that's heartbreaking. But then again, finding Ernie and, and people that care, you turn it, you know, you turn it around, but geez, that's yeah. Yeah, man. You know, and so, and it, one of the things about hardcore, that's just the, 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 the community itself, the sense of the community, the fact that like, you know, you know, that good chances are, if you show up at a hardcore show, you're going to find some people of, of like minds in a way that, you know, uh, they'll look out in one way or another, you know, and you, you can go almost anywhere and that you're going to, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of the, the beauty of the community itself. That's the truth, yeah. You know, you know, and and uh, you know, respect to all the people that live this life, you know, because a lot of people couldn't understand this, you know. Unless you've done it, you can't understand it. Oh, totally, yeah. The people I work with and stuff, I don't even, I don't even bother explaining shit. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Don't even waste your time. It's bro. not for everyone. But look at the look at the Bay Area now. It's in good hands. All those bands you mentioned coming up now: Tsunami, Scowl, so many, so. It's like, I'm proud of what we got here, yeah, Richie. Man. You know, knowing that like we stopped carrying the torch for a while, and all these other motherfuckers said, "Yo, we can do this," and they they've been doing it. And they're killing it, like on a level that we we never achieved. Like these guys are killing it right now. Yeah, the bands you mentioned, plus a lot of other bands in Cali right now. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm really into that band, Law of Power. Now, right now, you hear them? No, I haven't. You you just you're turning me on to somebody. Uh, they're from uh, Los Angeles, but check them okay. out. I know, okay. I know. There's a beef with the, you know, you guys in Los Angeles. Nah, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, I always, I always like to, to throw that out there. But no, the yeah. law, law of power is, you know, younger dudes. They're they're in the in the bracket of like the tsunamis and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, so dope, you know. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm always I'm always looking for new stuff. Well, hopefully, we'll run across them. But you know, at this point now, we're just happy to be throwing our hat back into the ring, man. Like you know, just be like. You know, seems like the people that have heard the single really like it. I, I, I just keep hoping people keep checking it out. I think they're going to really like the second one that drops. Um, I don't know. Are these songs, uh, I'm pretty excited about them. I feel like they're really good, man. So 
I'm, I'm hoping somehow that gains us some momentum and we get to kind of join the community in a way where people are like excited to have us back. Fuck yeah, man. I see that. I've already seen your names on a lot of bills and stuff coming up. So yeah, well, we're trying, you know, we're trying to do it, man. You know, we're trying, you know, we'll get out to, we're going to do some shows with Mayor Ball and H2O. We're going to, we'll be, uh, we're going to be playing Philly. I don't know if you're around. We'll be down the 29th of April. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Playing with, uh, desolated and, uh, these streets. Uh, I'll try to get out there then. It was putting something on for us there. We're, we're, uh, we're going to be coming back, uh, later uh, in the summer as well. You know, we got some more stuff out here. We got, we got, our, that, we got the Hazen street run, right? That's the one with right. Matt ball. Yeah. H2O, Hazen Matt street. Ball. yeah, correct. Correct. So that's, so that's Rhode Island and, uh, New Jersey. Yep. Asbury. Yep. Asbury park. Beautiful. So see some of my family, they're going to come out, which would be kind of nice. Yeah. It's been a minute or what? It has, it has, man. You know, I, I, so, you know, my, my uncle died from COVID, uh, early. He died in uh, April of, uh, oh, 2020. And so I come out once for the service, which is, a, was a year later, but like, yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been a little while now again. So, you know, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm overdue, man. I'm overdue for a trip. So I'm excited to get back out there. I wish I can't eat gluten anymore. I'd be going to get a tail and ham, egg and cheese sandwich, but like, yeah. uh, I can't, they don't got the bread for me no more, man. Yeah, you're so. better off. You're better off without it. I know, but that shit tastes good as fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah. That shit tastes good as fuck. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but if it's going to fuck you up for two days or whatever, I don't know how that shit works. Yeah, but... at least two days. At least two days, it'll fuck me up. Yeah, man. it ain't worth it then. Anyway, just uh, watch, it on, watch somebody eat it on TV, you know? I'll weigh, I'll, I'll, I'll weigh it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yo, listen, homie. I appreciate it. You laid it out. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure I got to all the stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I wish I could have been a little bit more. Uh, nah, it's good. It's it's you know, it's, it's it's a minute ago now, right? The nineties. You know, now it's like the two thousand twenty somethings. So I don't know. that shit is like crazy to think about. But you know, I just want to really? document this stuff because it do- doesn't get that love it deserves. And if somebody wants to listen to this like twenty years from now, if it's then then they can. You know, it's out there now. Yep. Bay Area hardcore and Oakland in, in particular, and the bands and the hoods and you guys and you know so much shit so it's important but i yeah, appreciate well, you appreciate taking the time man hell yeah thank you richie all right my brother i'll talk to you soon hope so i'll talk to you i right, respect be good bro thanks a lot for listening we really appreciate it post america podcast will always be there for you don't forget that tune in next time for more fun with the boys until then Get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is post-America! You ain't shit, motherfucker!